and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does Scotty shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. What do you think of Patrick Williams so far? It feels like he's got, I mean, you've watched him more regular than I have, but it feels like this, maybe the second half of this season, it feels like he's kind of starting to put some stuff together a little bit. Yeah, I honestly, I'm starting to wonder if he should play a little bit more small forward, actually. And I don't know that he's going to be a prototypical starting small forward or anything, but I'm looking at the three point numbers. I just wanted to be, be perfect on these 41.5%. Like, that's really promising. He's also always been a good three or free throw shooter since he came in the NBA. Like uh-huh. it's really nice to see that the guy has a soft touch, um, a good shot when he has time. It still takes him a little bit of time to wind up, but like his rookie year, like, man, that, that jump shot, like it was super high arcing, right? Like it was nearly like a roller coaster that you had to inch your way up to the top and like come down on a steep descent. Like now it seems like a little bit more, um, of a routine or, or traditional jump shot in that sense. So I I still have promise for him mattering for the Bulls. I I just I just wonder if that's like in a sixth seventh man role where he's succeeded this year, or if he can still plug in at some point to a starting forward spot. That's my question. I'm not sold whatsoever on him being a frontline starter. That's like, hey man, this is a guy that's my starting power forward or small forward. Love him. I can reach the East finals when I got a guy like that in that spot, like not anywhere close to there, but I think like just once we've reconfigured expectations for him, I've liked what I've seen. He's just a bad rebounder. I don't know how much you can play him at power forward, right? Like he's, he has been at times a truly awful rebounder and that's a tough spot to start um, as a team. If that's your power forward spot, even though the bulls have covered it up this year, with good rebounding from others. Vooch is a very good rebounder. The defensive rebounding percentage has been pretty good from, from day one all year. But um, some of that has to do with Patrick Williams being off the bench at times too. It's interesting when you evaluate guys like Patrick Williams because when somebody is the number four pick in the draft, especially for a franchise that was in the position that the Bulls were in at the time where they have a new front office. They've been trying to rebuild unsuccessfully for years. They were, you know, this the new the new GM, the new president come in and say, okay, this is the, our first big, you know, pick. You know, you you want your you know top five lottery pick to be the guy, or you want him to be yeah. one of the guys. And like, if Patrick Williams had been like the twelfth or the fifteenth pick in the draft, and he has the exact career that he's had so far. People would say, yeah, you know, pretty good pick. You got a rotation player in the middle of the first round. That's pretty good. But because he was the number four pick in the draft, he comes with a certain amount of expectations. And I don't know if that's fair or not, but like he gets judged kind of to a different standard than he would if he were just judging him purely as a player, you know, stripping all that stuff away. And that was unfortunate that the Bulls got their lottery luck in a year that was two, three player draft, basically, Mm -hmm. it felt like. And Hal Burton, obviously, if we'd known what he was going to be, would have made that essentially a four player draft. Um, in many ways, but I mean, Wiseman hasn't panned out, so it, maybe it still was more a three like, player. Trash. Yeah, it's, it's more like three players, and the Bulls had four. So, um, 
that that was a difficult spot for them to be in, no doubt, especially with something happening so early, um, kind of in their tenures to get that. But it's it's interesting. Some of their processes really confound me too. Like just giving Billy Donovan an extension off a 46 win season and first round exit and not announcing it, which the not announcing it publicly is more of a Reinsdorf thing. I just, <laughs> I'm just the type of guy who's like, why it, it wasn't like, from what I understand, it's not like the Reinsdorf's went in and demanded that Billy be extended. Like it was a front office initiated idea from what I understand, like talking to Billy about it and being on the same page and they have a great partnership, but it's like, who, who extends guys with two years left on their contract when they're not like Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, or Eric Spolstra, right? Like it so much goes wrong in the NBA so fast all the time and can blow up in epic proportions. Like you don't need to be doing that until there's a year left on the contract. So I I've made that point several times, but that just always puzzles me why they did that. Um, so some of those things, like you can tell it, it has the feel still of kind of a first time front office in many ways. The not announcing the extension. Part yeah, that's is just a rhyme. So thing, bizarre because to me, and it's like, I get it that like this front office is a little bit more secretive and a little bit less willing to leak stuff than the previous front office was, but you should want that out there. You should, you know, this was our first, you know, we just, we, we, as one of the first things we did when we took over from the previous front office was we fired Jim Boylan, who was widely thought of as like one of the biggest jokes in the league as far as like head coaches of the last 10 years. We hired a real professional respected coach in Billy Donovan. We feel like it's gone, you know, he got us back to the playoffs in his second year. We feel like it's gone well enough that we want to give him a contract extension. That's good PR. That should be good PR. You should want that out there that we feel good enough about our first coaching hire that we gave him a contract extension. I don't know why you, like, what you're accomplishing by not having it be out there. And then I forget whether it was Shams or Woj, but it was, like, one of the national guys that reported it. And it was like, okay, okay. It happened when the Bulls were struggling, too, which was kind of just a... uh... I think a subtle message to the locker room, quit complaining about anything and, and figure it <laughs> just out. Be like, like, just like, Hey, we're not going to fire the coach. That yeah. Type of- yeah. That's not on the, that's not on the docket boys. <laughs> He's actually going to be here way longer than you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I actually think, I think it, I, I criticized the process, right. Mm-hmm. And maybe they acted early and they'll be smart by acting early. Cause I think Billy has to me, um, anytime you're a few games under 500, I don't think you can sit there and say, uh, a coach has had a great year coming off a 40 weeks, 46 win season when they're going to um, go below that, obviously. But the Bulls having a top five defense is, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, he's gotten a lot out of the roster that he's had. Billy deserves credit. The lead assistant or one of the lead assistants, Josh Longstaff, deserves some credit for that, too, um, obviously with the Bulls. But it's hard to build a really good defense around three guys who are question marks on defense in Vooch, DeRozan, and Levine. And I think. Zach Levine deserves a lot of credit um, because he has been not good. Um, I don't know. He's at least average, I think, most of the time defensively. He had a really good um, late game um, defensive stand on a couple occasions against the Timberwolves in, in another double OT game last Friday that the Bulls won where he got they, they went after him and locked him down, um, tried to get him one-on-one, and he made some plays and made him force – Um, tough shots, stuff like that. So like he has been more locked in on defense. So I don't think it's as hard as it used to be to build um, or cover up for Zach Levine's deficiencies, but like Vooch can't really guard the pick and roll laterally. And like, 
it's still okay. It, it hasn't like killed him this year by that standard. And like they're he's a good defensive rebounder, and they're putting him in spots where he's comfortable to do that. So really, it's like they've really only had to cover bad for Demar. Like Demar is so bad at defense. I can like it, I you really got to watch him all the time. But there's like three times a game where it feels like he's a train that needs to be turned around and you have to like slam on the brakes and it takes like four minutes for him to turn around and go close out on a shooter. And I know some of that's cause he's had like hip and thigh injuries dating back to a little before the all-star break, but it, it can be difficult at times. And like Billy and what the bulls have drawn up to again, um, put him on the worst offensive player on the other team and keep him out of some spots has been really, really good. I think for, for their defense, but same. On the flip side, offense hasn't been good enough, so that's where you would criticize Billy this year, obviously. Is DeMar still, you know, locker room-wise, is DeMar still the guy that everybody kind of looks to like he was yeah. last year when they brought him in and there was, like, the talk about how, how much of a transformative presence he was? Is that kind of still the case? Yeah, I, I get that sense. Um, and again, this it's interesting because this Bulls locker room these past couple of years, none of them are strong personalities until Patrick Beverly got here. Like, none of them, right? Like, Patrick Williams was not mad when he lost his starting spot. Um, Vooch only gets mad in small, short stretches at the refs and get technical gets technical <laughs> fouls or maybe yells at Patrick Beverly once on the floor. But, like, He's a very, very easygoing guy in the locker room. You know what I mean? And we yeah. know Zach Levine's personality. DeMar, DeMar is a serious individual about his craft, but, like, he's kind of a happy-go-lucky guy, too. He's always got a new metaphor to share after, like, every game, whether they win, lose, draw, whatever it is. Um, he's always got something. So um, Pat Bev has been that infusion of a different personality in the locker room and someone who's actually just going to sit there on the court. You know, it's like, what? Patrick Beverly's like third game with the Bulls or maybe even sooner he was yelling at Vooch on the court and Vooch was like what is going on stop this um because <laughs> of a defensive missed assignment or miscommunication between them and I'm just like whoa we we have not seen anything like this off this team and I know Caruso is a good communicator and is a quarterback of their defenses when he's healthy but he doesn't approach it like Patrick Beverly does so that just makes me chuckle but yeah they they still look to DeMar there's there's no doubt he's got a ton of respect in that locker room. And um, he hasn't had the heroics of last year or that 15 game heater, but he's still been pretty good offensively for, for all things considered that they want out of him. How real is the stuff about Levine maybe being out this summer or wanting out or, you know, how, first of all, how real was any of that stuff at the deadline that they were looking to move him or that they had talks about him? And like, is that, is that something that might happen this summer? Z yeah. I mean, Zach Levine's frustration with, with how some things played out this year was real. Um, and certainly something that, that was palpable when you're around him after, before, after these games, you know, in practices, uh -huh. um, he did not like whatsoever getting pulled by Billy in that early season game against the magic. In the fourth quarter, um, there was certainly a meeting when the Bulls were really struggling how to get him and DeMar um, on the same page offensively a little bit more. And Zach's in a re weird place, right? Like, he's clearly the more modern scorer. He's more efficient, um, everything considered, when his three-point shot's fallen than DeMar is. But DeMar just has this immense respect and more NBA credibility build up over the years is, like, the best way to put it. So – neither one's confrontational. And I think Zach sometimes gets confused 
um, where he should fit in that mix, whether it's vocally, whether it's how to assert himself in certain stretches of games, and honestly late in games where the Bulls have almost always gone to DeMar. So um, the Bulls certainly had discussions with the Knicks. I don't think it was serious whatsoever at all. I mean, I, I don't have all these details on on like trade deadline day. You know, the right. national reporters are killing it. I know Joe Kelly was all over that story doing a good job reporting for the Sun-Times. But the farther you get away from it, the more you hear. And like, they'd be like, yeah, obviously they had talks with the Knicks. They were not close on price points. And all Zach Levine has done, like the Bulls, they got to do something this summer, right? Like I – even though there's a growing sentiment of Patrick Beverly's making them play better, they have some great net rating stats. They're eight and four with Bev here. This is Think, still not it. This is not it. You <laughs> nailed it, Hagen. This is not it. There's got to be some changes. I personally would shop DeMar and try to trade him for more shooting or just someone fortify that rotation with a better two-way player, even though they won't be. You're, you might be selling 60 cents on the dollar. You know what I mean? But someone who fits around Zach a little bit more. Um, I think you got to look at the Vooch sign and trade market too. Um, the problem is he can certainly just leave on his own if he wants being a free agent and unrestricted free agency. But like, I just, I can't just bring Zach Tamar and Vooch back again. Like you got to see, but the, as this relates to Zach, his price has only gone up since February when they had those talks with the Knicks because he's proving to be way healthier. He just played Big minutes, back-to-back games, double overtime, back-to-back nights at the United Center, doing it efficiently. Had some really good passing, I thought, against the 76ers. Like, he has elevated himself in the past month to show more consistency, more efficiency, and his price is only going to go up from whatever it was before, and they already weren't close. So that's my long-winded way of saying I still expect Zach Levine to be on the Bulls next year, but I would also expect his name to be in trade rumors, too.